Hey everybody, today's episode, Tarun Garish from Spark Spaces, a guy who has just, like the Nike commercial says, just do it. He gets in the middle of it and rolls up his sleeves. What do you think, Maurice? Oh, absolutely. I think he's a guy, uh, as I just said, I think he's a guy that looks at every convention, mm-hmm. takes a good step back and kicks it as hard as he can. <laughs> <laughs> To yeah. really, to really, well, essentially make this world a better place, right? Yeah. And then uh, to do whatever it takes, be it on EVs and the charging infrastructure, be it on what hospitality should be looking like, or just how to manage and train people. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, have this approach to life and just be, yeah, I don't care. I <laughs> do whatever I think, right? And work get ready. Here I come, right? Yep, hundred uh, percent. It's fantastic. You guys are gonna have so much fun um, watching or listening, whatever it is that you do. Um, here he comes, Tarun. All right, dear guys, let's get this started, then, right? Because really, what could go wrong once you press record? Right? <laughs> exactly, what could go wrong? It's all gonna be very perfect. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome once again to the Crazy People Podcast, or sometimes, as we like to say, Crazy People Doing a Podcast. I am wearing our uh, lovely limited edition uh, T-shirt today. If you are listening and not watching, I'm sorry you didn't see that, or maybe I'm happy you didn't see that. Uh, but I, I recognized as I was looking in the in the window of the car today, the reflection, I noticed that it could say Crazy People Podcast or Crazy People podcast. So we are the crazy people podcasting. Here we go. In uh, chair number one over there is the wonderful, talented, and always curious Maurice Hoffman. And today joining us live from Austin, Texas, Tyrone Garish. Welcome, Tyrone. Thank you. This is super cool. Excited to be here. Fantastic, Tyrone. It's so it's such a pleasure to have you on. I see that you are in your coffee stores. So uh, tell us about it. Where are you? What is it that you're doing there? Uh, give us a big, bit of a background story. And for everybody watching and listening, uh, if Tarun has to get up and um, do his business, uh, that's perfectly fine. So don't worry about it. He's going to be right back. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So where we are right now, um, we're in downtown Austin right now. We're located at one of my uh, Spark Spaces uh, coffee shops here downtown. Um, and the reason why we're here specifically is because I'm actually the barista today and have been since we opened up the shop. Uh, so everything from the barista, the events manager, whatever that may be under the roof, that's where, that's what I'm doing. Um, and so we actually were able, my company was able to take this space that was dead for two years due to COVID and, um, and other circumstances and revive it into something it is today. Uh, and we were able to do that in like 10 weeks. So it was like heads, heads down, ready to go. And kind of like, we had no choice. Like we had to get this up and running because like we were running out of money. So I was like, let's, let's go, let's do it. And uh, yeah, that's, that's why I'm here today at this moment. Great. How did you, how did you get there? How did you get to the point where you're starting coffee shops in Austin, Texas? Yeah. So I, I, I want to take it back to 2017. Um, and 2017 was a year where I decided, hey, like I'm going to solve the biggest problems on the face of the planet. And realizing that it was way too early or way too late, not knowing what was going on in life itself. So um, I actually was in the hospitality industry for since like 2012-ish and um, kind of worked, with pe- worked for people, worked for companies and was like, I really wanted to do something on my own. Not Didn't know what that was, didn't know anything at that point and decided to say, hey, let's go buy an electric car because I want to kind of be the first adopter, kind of figure out what's going on there and ran into a crap load of problems in that process. And long story short, ended up after work coming home at like three o'clock in the morning, car dies in the middle of like a busy road in downtown Houston at like 3 a.m. Wow. And being that, like, I was like, sh- like, shoot, like I need to find no solution. And that's what started the sense of curiosity, ambition, craziness, and just complete obsession to figure out the solution to a problem that I've been trying to solve for the longest time. And 
what ended up happening is I had to push the car like three, four, four blocks. And I made sure that I had photo evidence to back it. So if anyone calls me my BS, like I have, I'd be like, like, look, um, I, I have evidence. So um, decided to figure out like, how do we build spaces around the EV driving experience? Um, hit a bunch of roadblocks, um, a bunch of like, I, I wish I didn't do this. I wish I, I wanted to quit, but I was like, we're too deep in. Like it's, I'm obsessed about the problem and I'm like, we're gonna fix it. And when I talk about we, it's more or less like, the people who are around me helping me solve the problems throughout the way. Uh, not really like we as like my team in general. Uh, I preface that because that's the biggest question that I've gotten a long time. Like people are like, hey, what do you mean by we? So like, I just wanted to bring that to the forefront here. Mm -hmm. And so um, with that being the case, a couple of years passes by and ended up just figuring out like, this is a lot bigger problem. I might be too early to the game. How do we pivot? How do we focus on the experience for the EV driver. And so there's nothing like that in today's world, even, even though we have a bunch of EVs in the market. And so I was like, let's take the hospitality industry and put it in, like, let's put it on the, on the bookshelf and like figure out how do we get into the EV space really constructively. And so we were trying to target parking garages. We're trying to target anywhere we could get it installed, uh, hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And it was just a really, really, really bad time just in general. And we were like, let's put a pause and we're like, hey, how do we get into these buildings? How do we get in these big buildings and, and, and not really worry about competing with two, 200 other quote unquote EV charging companies? And I do that because they're all, it's, it's not a, it's, it's a very rebranding kind of that whole deal on their end. So we were like, let's take it as a hospitality challenge and do that. And so 2023, January was like, we got the school space in Austin. Let's come in as a, a value added to the building and focus on building that relationship. And, and, and then we'll do the EV charging later on. And that's why I'm here at this moment because we're building relationships in a really insane industry because as you know, work from home, uh, remote work in general and all these other like domino effects post COVID as is, is about to crumble the commercial real estate industry. And yeah. so what's phenomenal is that like, we're able to tackle multiple spaces, multiple industries and solve really big problems. And so that's why I'm here today. Wow, that is a big story. Yeah. <laughs> that is a big story. And I, since you talk about EVs and uh, about charging infrastructure, so how do you see the latest trends just to dive right for me yeah, to, yeah. with Ford and GM, adopting the Tesla standard for their product. Yeah, so I am, I'm, I'm all for it. So, and also uh, today, uh, Rivian just announced that they're going to imp implement the Tesla standard, the NACS standard for their RS1s, that's the, yeah. the, their trucks. So like, I'm, I'm super excited about that. And, and that's like one side of the kind of expectation, but the other side is, now let's look at all the manufacturers. The manufacturers who, who sell CCS1 cables are now scrambling. They're like, what do we do now? And if they're at a point to where they are not able to hit quota, whatever that may be, like it's gonna be insane to see that whole process happen. And then now we're gonna get into a bottleneck of, of NACS production because now we're trying companies are transitioning over to the US, trying to build that infrastructure, trying to build that chargers. And now this whole, this curveball came into perspective and now a whole other thing is happening where the industry is not sure on what to do. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that I think that an interesting development because uh, I'm right now based in Europe, and in Europe you have the CCS standard, and you you pretty go wherever you want to do and uh, go, and you have the same standard across yeah. the board. Yeah. So that that kind of issue where a comp company essentially decided to to go all ahead and define what the standard's going to be, right? right? They call it, I think, what is it called? It's, isn't that called uh, North American standard anyways? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the, the terminology, which is, and, yeah. and at the end, at, I think at the end of the day, it's Tesla being Tesla, right? Tesla figures <laughs> out, hey, we could be the market. Everyone can go screw themselves. And people have to dictate to our terms eventually because our competitors are doing such a poor job yeah. on the charging side. 
I mean, also on the car side, but that's a whole another story for another day. Um, and I wish it was, I wish we were able to execute like Europe has done, where you have a governing body executing on type of charging standards, primarily for reliability and for reliability purposes, as well as for uniformity. Yeah. And so that's, that's like where I feel like the US kind of messed up a little bit is because we, we it's an Android Apple situation all over again. And, <laughs> and, and that's all it is, right? So it's the, and also the dongle situation as well. So it's like, where, where does that fine line? And I think the industry is getting forced to be what they are today or what they're turning into due to the poor uptime, due to all these issues, due to lack of experience and, and also other variables. And so that's another thing where if our timing is really like spot on because we can define what that EV charging experience looks like and where the, the driver doesn't have to sit in their car like in 102 degree weather. Yeah. And on top of that, running the AC battery, it's just it's, people spent like 50 to 70, 50 to $200,000 on their vehicle. The experience needs to represent that. It's yeah. the same thing as the, uh, the airport lounges, right? You just dropped like $2,000 on a ticket and you're sitting with like everyone else. And it's like, how do you provide that exclusivity? It's the same like thought process. Sorry, I went on a tangent a little bit, but yeah. No, that's, uh, I'm, I'm totally there as somebody who flew around the world a few times uh, <laughs> on a monthly basis for, for about 10 years. And now as an EV owner for the past year, I, uh, I'm totally with you there. Um, I, I think it's, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. The, the, the issues that you see and the challenges that you see. I mean, it works, right? It's, there's no doubt about it. It works, but it should be easier, right? So and do, you know, do, do you know why it works? It works because people have no other choice. That's why. Yeah. That's a scary part, right? That's, that's the, um, it's like, if you don't plug in and you don't have enough of juice to get home, like, what do you do? So you yeah. put up with the crap in your $100,000 vehicle. So like, that's another thing. Well, it's, it's also where a lot of people opt for a certain brand because there at least you can be sure because then you have your double access to almost all of the infrastructure that's out there, right? Right. I, even though they open up their infrastructure now, uh, especially with uh, GM and Rivian and Ford going to, with their blog, yeah. But it's still for, for many, many years, it has been like, yeah, okay, if I go with that brand, I don't have to worry about anything, right? And um, yeah. but that's what I did, right? It's, uh, and, yeah. and also like what's, what's interesting, you bring up like the brand like loyalty and kind of that whole process. People buy Teslas because they want to own a Tesla because of the name, right? For the most part. And they want to be in a reliable infrastructure and not worry about any other type of car like mucking up. Whereas now, because it's like NACS became universal, we're going to see a lot of issues where the the OG Tesla owners are going to be like, oh man, I'm charging like three to four different types of vehicles at lower rates. And if the, if the system is not updated, then power sharing occurs and my rate of charge is slowed down. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't have my rate of charge slowing down because I've dropped like six figures on a car you know like that's like we're gonna start seeing that kind of mentality and so with with what we're trying to kind of implement we're trying to see hey say hey like og tesla owner no need to worry we got your back like if you want caviar and bail we'll get you freaking caviar and bail like that's the kind of mentality that we're trying to push <laughs> with what we're trying to do here so um yeah that's yeah no i think that's it for for, for like this point that chatting about so yeah fantastic um i love it so let's let's take a let's take a step back because we jumped right in there sure um give us more about your origin story so where are you from how did you end up in austin um and yeah give us the yeah. quick summary totally so um i so my dad got a job in compact roughly 93 to 95 ish um, and we were part of that first wave, that first or second wave that came into the U.S. from India. Um, and I came here when I was two or three mm -hmm. and was like, hey, let's, uh, my parents and I were figuring it out on our own and, um, and kind of went through that journey as a kid who really 
wanted to figure himself out, but really have no has no point of reference because you're culture shocked twenty four seven trying to figure stuff out, and like that kind of makes it hard to find friends and all this other stuff. So um, we were able to find a really tight knit family friend group and kind of grew with them till and like we've been all friends for a long time and. And I see everyone, all the, all the kids who are kids are now adults who have like relationships, who have kids of their own. And it's just like very surreal um, because we all were like watching Power Rangers at once at one time. So it's like, that's a kind of like thought process that was going through my head when I saw like my, 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 one of my best friend's kid. And it's just, now their experience is going to be to- totally different, right? So Mm-hmm. seeing how technology is going to be embedded within like every movement of their life it it's really intriguing to see how the parents do because the parents are going to be having to figure out how do we make sure that this kid turns out pretty damn good without having like serotonin deficiencies and other like really screen like being exposed to screens and blue light deficient whatever that may be but like they're they're really smart people and i think they have their the kids um Part as a priority so like it's and, and if they need their uncle to step in every once in a while that's why i'm there so like it all works out perfect so you are the uncle that uh, teaches technology and technology behavior and also gets them out in the sun every now and then yeah no i 100 and i think i <laughs> roughly I, i'm i am going to be that uncle who like says hey like this is how you be a good person like i think that's the biggest thing that i've learned like not being religious, not being spiritual, not being any of that, just being a good person to people, making sure that you give people the benefit of the doubt and just like hold your guard up whenever you need to. And those are the three, and have good values. And like, those are the four things that I live up to. And I think it's turned out pretty damn well. So like, and it's just going to get better from here. So like, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, and that and that is, I, I totally like that approach because that is something that we should see much more of. I mean, Russ is a master when it comes to that, right? I <laughs> really appreciate his approach to daily life, to relationships and whatever. Yeah. But that's it's getting harder and harder to, to find people like that. Yeah. Actually, I think like individually, people are all right. But as soon as you see them in public surroundings and getting more and more of them, a lot of them turn out to be idiots. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And, and and what's interesting is like when they get into like that herd mentality, the and then they get a lot more opinionated, mm-hmm. then you know that the outcome is going to be skewed no matter what, because there's always bias in the whole entire equation, yeah. even if they're smart individually. And I think when they're in that herd mentality, that smartness individually doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. And so like, that's, I think, something that I, I really want to kind of keep at the forefront of like how I approach scenarios and situations, whether it be good, bad, or ugly, is ensuring that empathy is like the first thing that needs to get drawn out to our like, be like, hey, um, instead of me telling you X, Y, and Z, I want to make sure you're having a good day. So like the way you take X, Y, and Z is good or bad or ugly. Like, like setting expectations right off the bat is something that I, I live my life by and I, I manage that way too. So um i mean working in the hotel industry for for hotel restaurant industry for a long time has taught me that where if a person's having a bad day and they're inebriated how do you like engage with them without them going berserk right and that's i think that's why i tell everyone you need to go work in a restaurant for at least a year like i'm going to have all my executives when we're at that point to work at a space once a week or twice a week yeah when because and the reason why is because then they can make ground level decisions based upon their experiences and then the customer's experience or sorry the employee's experience and the customer experience and so that's the beautiful part of how we operate because we're trying to really disrupt the hospitality industry to where employees should be more valued turnover rate should be complete to zero because each person you train and turn over that's like two grand to four grand a pop yeah right so um yeah no i'm if once we once if there's another question on deep diving on like managerial like approaches and how do you respect like that employee kind of value add um i'm down i'm down i'm happy to deep dive in that question if there's one lined up for that well before we get there though let me connect a couple yeah. of dots here maurice sure um so 
Maurice, you and I spent a fair amount of time together at trade shows in various parts of the world. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I happened to be at one in Austin. And if you've, if you've watched this podcast on, on YouTube, you recognize I almost always have a cup of coffee or tea or something in my hand. Uh, I'm a bit of a fanatic, right? So as I'm preparing to travel, I always look online and see what's around. And, and, uh, this, this coffee shop was right across the street from the, the venue where we were having the, the event. And I said, Oh, that's, that's cool. I'll just swing in there at some point and, and see. Um, and so I walk in and, and Tarun's there and he's, he's serving coffee and he's talking to me about the experience and about what I want and setting expectations for me. And I'm like, this is not like your normal barista barber, you know, that coffee matcha, shop, the matcha latte, the, oh, dude, the matcha latte, the, the matcha latte is so good. Yeah, yeah. So good. So, so good. I'm going to buy it for you as if she comes right over. <laughs> <laughs> But that's the thing is like, so, so, and then I, I, Tarun and I get sort of talking about what he's really trying to do in a big picture. And, and I just love the idea of an entrepreneur who's not sitting back and writing a business plan and strategizing. And I, I, I like one who's out there actually doing, because in, in today's startup world, that, that alone is kind of crazy right? People are like, oh, no, you have to write a big plan and let's get the marketing together and let's figure it. And Tarun's out there like, let me figure out how this thing works and let me actually deliver on the, yeah. the differential of experience that I'm trying to get to in my business. And that was, that was amazing. You know, just that experience. Getting into the door is like the hardest thing in the first place and coming into a city with no like warm connections and a whole nother ballgame. Yeah. So like, yeah, I know that I think What's interesting is that, like, uh, so I just want to kind of clear. Am I letting like yeah. cuss like super quickly? Sure. Why not? So um, the way I live life is uh, a very fuck it mentality. Like meaning that like if this happens, great. If it not, if it doesn't, fuck it. Like if it doesn't hinder my life or people who I directly who I care about, whatever. Like mm -hmm. say a lot of kind of stuff. So like yeah, that's like my whole approach to life and how I run my company. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But I'm I'm not done. I'm done. Not done yet. Uh, understanding you as a person, to be honest, and yeah. uh, I got to need more. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's we're we're dealing with an onion here. There's peels to come to to kind of peel like it's that scene in a, a what's it called? Um, Shrek. Shrek. Yeah, there you go. the onion scene that's that plays in my head over and over and over and over again. So, um, yeah, shoot shoot with a question. Happy to answer that. Uh, give me more about your background. How did you start off? Like, what is your background from an educational perspective? Because you, 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 we talked about uh, hospitality. We talked about EV and that problem. And you're running a coffee shop. So the one and three is kind of related. I get that. But number two doesn't fit in there, at least superficially, right? Yeah. So it, I've been like dreaming about running this whole, this, this kind of version of the company since day one. Because like that experience is something that I'm really like really keen on learning and exploring, and that actually forced me to go learn about the EV charging infrastructure, tail in and tail out, everything from uh, specking a site, chargers, uh, payment systems, bullshit companies, um, and like electricians, and going through site visits. Like my company did like roughly like a quarter of a million in site visit bids. And we lost all of them because you have the people who are in bed with the bigger, bigger companies get those bids because they have market share. Yeah. And so like, that's where I was like, screw that. Like, like, that's not, that's not the way for us to be sustainable and to, to, to survive for the next 20 years. And so, um, so it's, I think it, all of this is out of a sense of curiosity. I was never a good student. I, I really wasn't able to engage at school and, not kind of I, I was there to hang out with my friends like i mean at, at the end of the day that's where it was like we're all cool we're all chilling and then like the reality check hit really quickly when i was like at the last portion of my graduating class in high school and everyone else was like top 10 top 20 percent uh that hit like right here like i was like i could have tried harder could have done this i could have done that but like as i've gotten older i'm like 
none of my friends would have the balls to do what I'm doing today. Yeah. Like they could, they could start a company, but I'm a solo founder. Like I've done this on my own with people helping me throughout the way. Like, like if I go into a room, I could talk about marketing, engineering, I could talk about business development, whatever that may be to executives and make it sound digestible. Right. And so that's, I think that's what I was able to learn during that going from career to career, not being able to get hired, not being and saying, Hey, I don't know if my time is worthwhile when investing in writing a resume, am I going to get this job? So all that stuff happens simultaneously. And I'm like, I'm not going to do it yeah. because I'm competing with like a shitload of other people. And I'm like, why am I, what makes me different? And I, I didn't know that at the time. And, um, that that's made me who I am today, which is, yeah, just something that I want to be able to teach other people or talk to people and be like, Hey, it's okay. Like I wasn't a good student either, but I've like pulled myself out of my comfort zone um, to a point where there was no like comfort. Like my brother has a tattoo, uh, like right here, it's cozy in the chaos. And that's how me and him live too. Like he's a CTO and a co-founder of his own company in Austin. And so, and like my parents are all, are also entrepreneurs. So it's like, it's in the blood and finally having parent support, which has been phenomenal. And they, they, they actually understand what's going on, what problems I'm solving. It's taken a long time to get them on board. Yeah. Um, and so that's another, like a huge reason for the sense of understanding. And we live once, like, let's take these really, really crazy risks without, if we don't have baggage, let's take the risk and, and don't settle. I think that's another piece that I tell people too. So. Yeah, did I answer your question? I was like all over the place. No, that's that's totally different. <laughs> We're just having a conversation. That's totally yeah, different. yeah. I think I think for for myself, I discovered that the limitations always come from the outside, right? And you kind of you kind of because I I hated school. I gotta be honest, I hated sure. school. I sucked at school, right? And then eventually, I was like, yeah, why not me? Why not do this? Why not do that? And I'm and Russ knows that I'm all over the place, right? I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And but I, but I like that approach because who tells me I cannot do that? Who tells me I cannot bring out a picture book or write a novel or host a podcast or be CMO, CSO, CPO, or whatever the moment calls for? Right? right. Nobody. Right. And and what's interesting is that we were we're predisposed pre-taught to that predisposed to a system that says hey if you can't do this like you're screwed whereas if i had an opportunity to redo everything redo like high schooling and like early life i would push i would have pushed really hard in trade schools like become a certified electrician certified plumber and actually get my hands dirty initially raise like like saved a lot of money toward now I don't have to worry about if, if I if I did all that and I was doing what I'm doing today, don't have to worry about that part now because I have these really, really, really high demanded skills that not a lot of people can say. And so and then and what's interesting is the like aptitude is another thing, right? Can you learn on the fly? Um, and so I'm at a point to where like I could probably say, hopefully get an honorary doctorate in electrical engineering because I could spec out an EV charging system from a like a low distribution point like that kind of stuff and yeah. then also on top of that like like I installed my own like plumbing system in my coffee shop from like YouTube and like like other resources and not needing to get someone to do it I should have gotten someone to do it I'll do that later on when I have the cash <laughs> to, to rebuild it because it's uh, it's very manual very intensive and it I'm afraid of getting someone on board and if they mess something up, things start leaking. And I think that's where I'm like afraid right now. But like, time will tell. I'll, I'll be good. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the funny thing is, I personally, I totally like your approach. Like, what the heck, right? Who is who's supposed to tell me what I'm supposed to be training and what my path is to get there? As a parent, I try. I see my son is not going to be conventional. Sure. <laughs> However. There's a couple of things you just want to make sure, like skills he inherits, right? Or he, he he's being trained in, not inherits, being trained in, 
just to make it easier for him because I know how tough it has been for me, right? Sure. So it's kind of like a conflict. On one side, you appreciate this being different or personally being different because, you know, that's what what's, yeah, makes us alike, right? Uh, but at the same time, you try to make sure, and that's where I understand your parents. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> old fashioned and stupidly boring and trying to okay let's make sure he has certain number of skills because once he has sure. the skills in whatever happens happens right but and what's interesting you say you say that I, I think like with kids like they need to understand how to react to a situation properly yeah and have that emotional intelligence to be like okay cool like there's sympathy here I'm going to, I'm going to react to the situation because I understand different perspectives in that situation. Yeah. And the only way they'll be able to do that is by going through the situation and not, and having a point of reference. And that's where, that's where I come in. That's how I approach things. And that's, I think that's what will be the biggest priority. I teach my future kids to be like, Hey, like let's get into some like really crazy stuff. And so you have that point of reference to be able to get through that process. Hopefully my future wife can, I want to, I'm going to give her all that responsibility because like, and then be that, and I'll be that cherry on top and we'll call it a day. Um, and so like, cause like emotional intelligence from like women is like, I think the it's that nurturing and naturing factor and they're able to provide that. And I would be that cherry on top and like, we would be good. And it's, and also it's like how the parents react, right? So if parents react to a situation and that's a, that's a positive or a negative point of reference, then that can determine so many different factors in the kid's life. Yeah. And I think from like, from like witnessing that and kind of seeing all that stuff happen in like other people's lives as well. And it's like, Hey, like, let's, let's take a second and like figure out what's going on here and then make our assessment from there. So yeah that's that's how that's like my two cents on that whole kind of how you learn on the fly kind of approach because they don't teach you that at all they don't they don't take you they don't teach you the emotional intelligence anywhere in mm -hmm. school yeah and they don't teach you i call it the macgyver moments right mm -hmm. where you where you yeah. just look at things and you're like okay let's think out of the box right yeah yeah because you know the conventional solution is not going to get you there or you don't have the resources, anything that you probably need to solve this on a conventional basis, right? And on a slight tangent, I, I think that like teachers are not equipped financially to be like, hey, like, let's go off the syllabus for a quick second and go through this lesson, yeah. right? It's all standardized testing. You're going to do this, this, this. And then you get the kid in the back of the room saying, I, I don't care and I am not going to deal with it. I'm just going to put my backpack on my desk and, and take a nap. And like when the teachers pay like 30 to 50 grand a year paying for supplies too, like what's the incentive, right? So it's, that's, a, that's, that's a whole another conversation for a whole another day that we can get into. And I think if the teachers are, are, are well-prepared and, and, and not well-prepared, but well-financed properly from the school district, and if the counselors, it's not, so some school districts counselor ratio is like one to 600 students. Like we, and I'm like, mm -hmm. how, like in what world do you think that makes total sense? Yeah. And they'll say, oh, we're underfunded, but like their, their, their superintendent is paid like seven figures. Like, like that kind of stuff boggles my mind. And so like, um, we'll, we'll talk about that another day, but I think, I think at the end of the day, it's, does a system um, have the ability to ensure that the people dictating these rules are supported? And right now the answer is no. Yeah, what we are putting on these teachers is way beyond what should be there. I mean, I got an email from our teacher today, tomorrow's last school day in, in Cologne, Germany. Mm -hmm. And she, had, she asked for help to clean the classroom. Like in what world are we living in? Right. Sure. Where the teacher in a well-off neighborhood, I might add, right? Yeah. To reach out to parents to for help to clean up the classroom. And what's interesting? That's it's just it's just crazy. I mean, uh, like off like off like the whim kind of approach, right? And in Japan, um, kids like look after themselves. They're very independent in, in like that in the Japanese school system. 
and they they've been taught this from like day one to like respect your area and so like in that sense it makes total sense because it's like you want to make sure these kids are they respect their space they clean after themselves and call it a day but like your situation that you just went through that's like very like reactive rather than proactive at the end of the day from from what i'm understanding yeah it's it's, it's ridiculous it's ridiculous yeah. let's uh let's shift real quick solar sure. founder how's that going for you uh, what was that sorry being a solo solo founder as you mentioned how's that going for you yeah no it's uh really freaking difficult um and i i, I at a certain point, I understand why investors look for co-founders, like for teams with co-founders. I, I, I get it, but like teams with co-founders initially die because of like differences, right? And it's like, you have to work together for such a long period of time to get the synergy. Mm-hmm. And so my whole plan of action right now is to build out the companies by myself and with, with my support to the point where I have revenue, I have a model, I have all X, Y, and Z, and I could train people, maybe future co-founders to tackle these certain tasks. And for them, for their ideas and their their genius and their ideas to help elevate the base idea Mm -hmm. and do that with my own money, rather than saying, hey, investor, give me $10 million. I have no idea, no traction, no, no connections. I'm just going to burn through 10 million. I mean, we've seen that over and over and over again in like, in like Silicon Valley and like, I mean, like old, like OG Silicon Valley, you saw that. And like, now it's like investors want traction. They want revenue. They want a lean team, but like, I'm not building your average startup. Like my thought process sometimes is like, Hey, like, I think I should just like throw the towel and go build a mobile app. But then the little voice inside of me is like, hey, <laughs> like you've almost died a couple of times. Like there's no point, like let's push, keep on pushing through and let it like, you'll, you'll see it pay off. And so that's why I, I haven't um, uh, kind of left the, the, the stop, this, this idea. And, and I want to talk about my motivation. Like I know, I know Russ, I was talking to you about like what motivates me every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, my motivation is not passion. I think passion is very overrated. I think people who want hobbies and to do hobbies, they're passionate, mm-hmm. but it's obsession. It's obsession and it's doing whatever it takes at any moment of time to solve the problem that you're trying to solve, no matter how big or small that is. And so, and then another motivation of mine is, is spite. And the reason why I say spite is because I want to buy out. It's it's like it's um. I want to I want to buy out the hotel groups and the restaurant groups I used to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what motivates me. That's what gets me up in bed to be like, hey, that moment when I can write the five hundred million dollar check and be like, hey, now I own this hotel group. Like that's even though it seems super insane, and that's why I can classify myself as a crazy person. In this situation, is that like, that's that's what gets me out of bed every morning. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And Russ, you you realize that he uh, is brain for us, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's that's the thing is I, I think Tarun, you there's there's a wisdom to that. Um, both Maurice and I work with startups. Maurice works directly more directly than I do. I sort of advise, um, but. But there's a lot of discussion about you you don't understand it's like you're getting married when you have a co-founder like you have to go through these hard times yeah. and i think a lot of a lot of people who are starting a business get in into like they'll sit around your coffee shop right and they'll they'll write up business plans and they'll have meetings and they'll have discussions but right. there's no hard times there's no right. difficulty there's and so they're like yeah we're gonna be great let's go get a million bucks let's go do a thing and then they run out of that million bucks and then it hits the fan and then it's like oh now we have to be married to each other and come through this and work through this and get past it and you've you've already done a bunch of that hard work inside your head to to get through that like by physically doing it so that when you get there you you know quote unquote marry the right co-founder right and the right you get the right partners in there with you uh, to grow the business And, and and you make a really great point it's like how can how let me let me go through the, the shitty situations first mm-hmm. 
right? And then so I can give my little two cents to situations that I've gone through as we start growing the company. Like I, I'm actually bringing on two co-founders. Once we raise our round, I'm bringing on two co-founders who is there to execute the next part of the company. Um, one of them is my best friend from college. We went to school together and she has a master's in sustainability um, from Costa Rica. So she has like anything in regards to how do you make a process really efficient from how do we take compost from like, from how do we make sure that we don't generate any waste on site? What does that look like? How do we take it and how do we add data? How do we create data from it and sell that data to where we can go into any Fortune 500 company like, hey, give us a million dollars to access our data, our data set. Yeah. And we can ensure that every location that you set up or, or whatever type of business they own has no waste because they have a point of reference. Um, all of our, all of our um, nothing's hit the landfill from, as we start growing the business, nothing has hit the landfill, everything's hit recycling and also compost. Um, even though it's a, it's a big expense now, I said, screw it, let's do it because it's, that's what the company is about. Um, and so, and then also another co-founder of mine, um, he has been in the restaurant industry. I mean, but we've actually both, both, both the co-founders have been, both the feature co-founders have been in the industry, hospitality industry for 10 plus years. Okay. So hospitality is taken care of, service is taken care of. That's the, the personal experience is taken care of. So I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about finding spaces. It's just like, how do we put everything under one umbrella and, and execute on that? And so I believe those two can, can do that. And, and the, the, the co-founder I didn't mention, he was in the hospitality industry for a long time. We've opened restaurants together. We've opened hotels together. Um, we've become really good friends and hopefully be able to write a screenplay eventually. Um, Cause that's what we, he was actually my former boss at one of the hotels that he used to work for as well. So it's like, how do we get the people who we meet in our lives to be part of our life in totality? And so the way I'm going about it, I think it's a good way. Um, I hope it is, but like, fuck it. Like, let's, let's take the risk. Let's make it happen. And like, they're on board. They're like, whenever you have the money to ensure that we're all on board full time, they'll leave their jobs yeah. in a heartbeat. You just, and so, you just told us, sorry to, to interrupt. No, you no, you're good, you're what, good. You're, what you're not worried about. So what does keep you up at night? What worries you? Um, so I've been getting the response for all my coffee drinks that they're perfect. That worries me. Um, and the reason why I say that is because it's, so I saw this, uh, I was on uh, Instagram the other day and there was a video of a chef talking with his students at a culinary school. And to paraphrase it, he's like, chefs want, like, chefs want customers to point out their shitty things in the food so they could become better. Yeah. And I, I, I'm like, that's me on a daily basis because I, I tell people, hey, how's the coffee? How's the matcha? How's, how's the tea? They're like, oh, this is like one of the best I've tasted in a long time. And I was like, that's not what I wanted to hear, man. Like, I want you to kind of, I want to be thrown down the stairs and like, hey, it's shit. And so like, cause like it's at this point of time, who holds, no one holds me accountable. I have to hold myself accountable. And yeah. that's, that's what keeps you up at night as well. Because if I mess up, if something happens, it's, it's, it's my ass on the line. Yeah. Um, like so today, the, yeah, yeah. No, go so ahead. Today, today, I decided to not pay for parking. I left my car at a parking ride. I took the train from North Austin to, to downtown. And I was like, let's make this change because it's, it's, it's affordable. And now I have to wake up an hour and a half earlier and at the end of the day, whose who's butt is on the line? It's me. Why? Because I have customers coming into my coffee shop at 8.30 in the morning waiting for me if I come in late. Yeah. It's a good problem to have, but I never want people to wait for me. I want, I want to wait for people. And so that's, that's what holds me accountable as well. And that's, it's, uh, it's pretty gnarly, man. Like personal life is zero. Like I try to have a personal life, but it's like, I end up feeling shit at the end of the day if I, if I don't allocate time for my computer after the fact. Yeah, I get that. And for me, if somebody tells me that the stuff that I do is perfect, I have two emotions. I either don't believe them. They're like, they, they sink in my 
in my credit immediately because I, I don't believe them, right? I like, right. There's, no, there's no such thing as perfect, right? It's just that you don't have the capability to see the flaws, right? Or the other side, I lose interest. So where is it for you? So for, it's a really good question, by the way. Um, so I'm in too deep, so I can't afford to not lose interest. To, to lose interest. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm right in the middle to where it forces me to be creative, to where I want to introduce more items to the menu. And then what ends up happening at that point is that like I say, I look at the bottom line and I'm like, hey, I'm spending too much of stuff on inventory. Things are not flying as I thought they would. We're going to scrap it just like that. And so it's, and now I feel like I have a really solid menu to where I don't have to do that anymore, but it's trial and error, trial and error, trial and error. But I think at the end of the day, it's, it's being self-critical, right? Like we're, we're I'm working on a, another location as, as of now. And like, I am on the edge of like thinking that, Hey, I might not be able to do it every, like that's, that's the, that's the scariest shit I've ever dealt with, where it's not my ass online now, it's my company's reputation, our experience, how we executed in the location. Like, even though we were able to get the pretty similar parameters as we have for our first one, whole another user, like whole new customer base. Like, there's a lot on the list that needs to get done. And that's why I work like 15 to 16 hours a day. Yeah. And you also, you cannot be at two locations at once, right? Yeah. So that's, that's I tell, I tell people, Hey, if I could replicate myself three times over, I'll be worry free. Um, actually, no, that's, I'll be worried a lot more, but, um, <laughs> so Probably three times as much, yeah. <laughs> like nine okay. times at, at that point. There you go. Like, um, so, so we're, we're looking at like staffing agencies right now. Mm -hmm. um, and really focusing on like developing SOPs. And so if we're able to develop really, really, SO, really great SOPs to where it allow, it's like the perfect medium to where you tell people, hey, we want you to be creative here, but here are the guidelines and they're well-developed guidelines to the point where you don't feel lost. Because like whenever you go to work for a regular hospitality company, training is always lacking. And so now we come into the whole equation and say, hey, the owner might not be there, but the owner put his time, energy, love, sweat, and tears into building this manual. And what's interesting is that some people might not be able to learn from that process. So that the owner has to be there. Like they have to be there for a little bit to train them, be like, hey, this is, we built it out towards simple, digestible, and understandable to everyone. And so having a really thought, like really well thought, thought out SOP and telling people, hey, this might happen because of this. And that's actually the biggest reason why I wanted to be on site. Mm -hmm. Why I wanted to come here and be like, hey, here are all the freaking problems. Because I've, I've dealt with them myself. So they don't discount it. Because normally if you have a lot of problems and you don't really deal with it on your own, your employees will discount it. Because it was like, hey, he hasn't been through the ringer. He hasn't done this. And so he's just coming like, like all this stuff is already premeditated and like out of the wazoo. And so that kind of direct connection is something that I feel is really important to when you have staffing agencies to come, that come on board temporarily. So um, in the hopes of that is we're able to hire them full time after that. That's the expectation. So um, coming to like this, the, the, the employee empowerment kind of approach. Um, I'm not hiring anyone hourly. Uh, we're hiring people hourly initially, just so I could take so I could take control of like payroll and stuff solely. But at the end of the day, everyone's going to be salary and healthcare X X Y and Z. I know it might be expensive for us, but I want the same people I bring on board to be with us for a decade or so. Mm -hmm. And so, being like providing salary in, in the hospitality industry, and they're not management. That's I'm going to piss a lot of people off, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, um, and because I don't one want seventy six percent turnover. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one of the things, Darren, that I think I think impressed me when we 
got together and 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 talked. Also, the awesome matcha latte. But uh, but is this idea of you're thinking through all of the problems that you're going to have down the line. Right. Um, so the the legend is that Jimmy Buffett, the now billionaire entertainer, uh, used to play in bars and he would have his guitar and he'd sing up on stage and he would introduce the band, although there was no band behind him. Right. And he would get to the middle of the place, uh, the middle of the song, and he'd stop and go, take it, Coral Reefers. That's the name of his band. Yeah. And he would stop playing and just tap his foot. And then he'd pick back up playing as if the band had just done a solo behind him. But he was right. always thinking about, like, what's the next thing? What's the future thing? What is this going to look like when I get there? And I think that kind of vision is 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 awesome. How did How did you get that? How did you develop that? Or did that just come naturally out of your personality? So being in the hospitality industry for a long time, I've been, I was seeing people getting mistreated, not like actually mistreated, but like, like they're like six years old, they're working room service, they don't need to be there, they need to be with their families. And that kind of, it grew from that to where I'm like, hey, like, I, I get they, 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 they want to work, they want to do X, Y, and Z, but like, like they're working like 70 hours, like, so like 50 to 60 hours, or work days, like they're work weeks, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I have no control over this, but I want to be at a point to where I can be like, hey, you're good. Let's get you in a position to where you can be more, spend more time with your family and then have the ability to perform better because your stress is down mm-hmm. and you're getting paid well and you have insurance and your family's taken care of. And so, and also I've seen what has been done in corporate America in today's world to where like, for instance, perfect example is Starbucks. Sure, like their employees might be complaining every now and then, but at the end of the day, like it is what it is because they're wanting to bring it out to the to the public and Amazon, X, Y, and Z, whatever that may be. But that gives us an opportunity to be like, hey, how do we provide employee empowerment in the workplace without disrupting the status quo? How do we have employee empowerment as a status quo and make sure that they keep uh, executives accountable? Mm-hmm. And so... I am, I'm a, I'm a very like, keep the employees happy. Productivity goes up. We make more cash together. Like it's not hard to digest, but for some people it is. Yeah. It's, it's easy set. It's easy set. If you, Mm -hmm. I I work in the, in the HR um, employee benefits and perks um, environment. Mm -hmm. And uh, for a lot of those companies, right. Especially those traditional companies to not say old it's that blows their mind right it's absolutely ridiculous to them right they never had that idea like really if you treat people well they are going to stick with you and perform better that's news to you i'm surprised yeah it's it's very it's it's very interesting to hear that from people who've been in the industry for a long time and like and it was crazy it's like high high stress industries are like that as well and i'm like dude like if a person's working 15 hours a day and you're not there to support them, then like, what's the point? Yeah. And so to solve, to solve this, we're actually, once we start growing and once we start getting, like my goal is to be a 1500 person company in like four years. Mm-hmm. And for that to happen, a huge infrastructure change and a huge reality check needs to happen for people who are not willing to, to change. And so we're embedding like micro unions of that within the company to where people like most like like co-ops kind of environments to where people are like, Hey, here are a group of employees. They're seeing X, Y, and Z happening in the company. They're not a huge fan of it. How can they come together to advocate for the masses and then to, to ensure that the executives hear it? Cause a lot of times it goes up to management and, and, and it doesn't go past that because the executives have too much time. We don't have time to firefight. But then, like, they need a firefight because if they if the employees are not happy, then they're screwed. Mm-hmm. And the employees have to are working there because they have to work there and have to be there to, to get money on the table. And, like, that's like I feel like that's not how like the world should work. But like, who's ready to change it? Me and you are here to change it because we we give a shit. Yeah. Um, and that's like the empathy kind of approach to what I'm doing. I mean, I'm very like into this because like i've been in industries where uh, a lot of people think they give a shit but they really don't yeah and mm-hmm. so 
that's 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 the thing so that's why i'm really emotional about it because it's like i want to fix what amazon couldn't do like we feel like i truly feel how big the company can get really quickly and we'll deal with a lot of these big problems peacefully but like at the end of the day like man if the employees don't come into work happy and it's like what what is management doing jack shit like that's what it is you know but easier said than done so like it's time and tribulations that will get us to the point to where we can be like hey we get it how do we ensure that their life is better i mean after covid employee know employees know their value now and how do we how do how does how does executives pay to that and so that's like the biggest thing that we need to kind of as like corporations like understand because if we don't understand then like layoffs is not the answer to anything no yeah yeah i have one more topic i want to touch on before before we let you go and take any <laughs> any more of your time the uh, we talked about uh, you mentioned in your uh, managerial approach and we also talked about you hiring people i always wonder and that's that's something that i'm always looking at when i'm hiring somebody for my team what is more important to you the soft skill of the the emotional smartness and the emotional capability of a person or do you look at when you're hiring a person more at the skill of making a perfect matcha latte what do you say sure. train that and what is more uh, the area where you say no there needs to be something there already yeah so so it, a lot of it depends on like how technical the position is right if the position is extremely technical and it's hard to find that type of person i would love to have, i would love them to have the soft skills but if they don't have the soft skills and they're really good at what they do then it's it's my responsibility as the leader to ensure that we can develop these soft skills with that person. Mm-hmm. But if there's if it's not a technical position, I don't care if they don't have any experience as long as they're coachable and as long as we can invest time, effort and energy into them, then we know we're going to get a really good person who actually likes working there. Like hard skills are easy are, are trainable, right? Especially in today's world where everything all the information is at your fingertips. And it and all and a lot of it has to do with like the interview process right so like like you have like i struggle with struggle with the interview process i was really bad at it because i didn't know what i was expected and i didn't know the tips and the tricks and such and i'm like if they're extremely intrigued in what they're they're applying to and they actually care about what they're applying to then that resume or that video interview might go through the 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 uh the the hey and like you'll be able to see it but it's at, at the end at the end of the day it's soft skills that i really look for but mm-hmm. the only way to do that is by referrals primarily through referrals and so we'll start with referrals to where my employees will be like hey like this person is really cool they know what they're doing they really like they like what you're doing let's give them a shot let's see if they're they're good a good fit for the company And I'm like okay cool let's, let's let's see what's going on there give them an interview and call it a day and and then the hard skills can be trained so and that all depend a lot of that is dependent on how much we allocate into training right if if i say hey like 50% of my hr budget is towards training cool but what is that math the budget has to be freaking massive to be like okay we need to ensure that people get the time of day Mm-hmm. Like I'm, we're not the type of we're not the the packet delivery type of company to where okay, here's a packet, go learn it yourself, and then we expect you to adhere to all these rules. That's not going to fly with me because that's not who I was as a as a as I was learning through these whole process. I want to be like hey, or modules, or modules. There's it's you have to update video content, and I'm like dude, like we don't have the effort, time, or, or energy to do that. Let's 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 train shadow. And go that route because the only the only way people can be creative is if they're not given a guideline to ensure that they could they're they're afraid if they want to go outside that guideline they'll that they'll get in trouble. That's what it hinders creativity from from my from what I think. And so we want to be able to say, hey, go train this person. That person is given these set of rules and regulations, and that person will tell you if you could do this or not. But it's your it's your responsibility as a person getting trained. To um, 
to, to break the rules every now and then, but know where you stand in them. I think it's very philosophical and very like, it's very abstract, but in application, depending on if your HR is on board, then like that's where we, we pick our HR team. Because like if they go with that flow, then great. If they don't, then there's a bunch of other companies to work for. Yeah. If you were to, if somebody would approach you right now in your coffee shop and say, you're like, oh boy, I'm, I'm founding this company. I'm on my own. What would be the first advice that you give to that person? Come work in my coffee shop. <laughs> and then we'll talk. We'll talk while making coffee. Like, I mean, I think food and drinks can make things easier. And if you're behind, like, making it and you're discussing, hey, I have this situation, you'll be able to, you'll be able to open up easier. And I'll be able to be like, hey, this is what I've gone through. This is what I think. And it's an easier conversation. Like, we could be frothing milk for, like, cappuccinos. And, like, he, would have, he or she might have gotten, like, a, an epiphany. And I'm like, cool. My job's done here. You know, like that's, I think that's a, a way to go about that. But in actuality, like another like alternative would be like, not, not why you're doing this, but what are your biggest challenges? Like, I know that's not very big and cliche, but like, are you having issues right now that can kill your company tomorrow? Yeah. And if they're in, and, and let's, let's talk about it. I will stop everything in my power and sit with you and be like, Hey, like what's going on? Like just like, and just like go and cue off questions to see if they're if he or she is willing to like answer them openly. Perfect. Because tr trust, right? Trust is like the biggest the biggest factor. Like, I'm, if if they're fond with what we're doing, but like unsure if they want to ask that question, that's why I'm like, hey, let's let's come come to the back and let's make coffee. And like, I think that's the way to open it up and. We'll go from there. Yeah, well, lots of people say, "Hey, let's work through it." And Tarun really actually means, "Let's work through it. Yeah. Let's let's work yeah. on it. Let's get involved. Roll up the sleeves. Get in the middle of it and go." Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, I hope you have a killer hot chocolate because I'm not a coffee drinker. So when I'm back oh, in, Austin... <laughs> I have a killer hot chocolate. Like without the whipped cream, because like it's hard to find or hard to make like non-dairy whipped cream. But like, uh, well. I have a pretty rock and roll hot chocolate. So like, Perfect. you don't have to worry about that. Perfect. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a European, close to Belgium type of tough guy when it comes to chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> no, kidding aside, I'm, I'm really looking forward to eventually see your store and come by and sit down and, uh, well, maybe have a hot chocolate, maybe have one of the, the matchas that you do. I have one more question for you. Sure. If you were to talk to your 16-year-old self, what would be the advice that you give your yourself? Trust yourself and don't listen to anyone. There you go. This and is a very crazy cool. people podcast answer, by the way. That's and then and then lastly, yeah. find a really cool car and drive a really cool old old, old Japanese classic. And you'll be set. You'll be good. Well, I'm the old German classic type, but I'm I'm fine with the classic Ooh. answer. That's that's also Dude. fine. <laughs> SL800 all day long. So I'm I'm right there with you on that one, my man. <laughs> Perfect. Hey Tarun, I absolutely appreciate your time. It was uh, inspiring having this chat with you, and touching on so many different topics. Uh, Fantastic. If there's anything we can do for you, uh, let us know. We're more than happy to do so. And uh, maybe you come back and tell us how it's going with store number two and with sure. onboarding those co-founders and so on. I'm really Wonderful. Curious. Yeah, no, it's, it's, this has been really great. Um, I, this is really, this is actually one of my first, like, I've, I've been on like three podcasts in, the, in my startup founder career, whatever it may be, but this is actually like one of the most ones that I felt really comfortable in opening up because 
I mean, I had to make Rust at Matcha Latte, and then he introduced me to this, and I'm like, cool, let's go. Like, we're we're friends now. Like, let's let's we're, let's open up and like do our thing. But I I really want to kind of like push my message, like figuring out like talking to founders, talking to whomever that may be, maybe another podcast in a different subject or whatever that may be. Any anything that you guys are testing, beta testing, happy to kind of be that first tester. Um, and I'm a very huge proponent on like valuing my time and this was a great value of my time. So all good. Appreciate it. Appreciate it so much. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Awesome. You have a great uh, rest of your day. I hope your, your store is brewing with a lot of people coming in. And um, you see on my end, it's getting kind of dark here. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I wish you a fantastic day. And thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Yep. Well, thank you guys so much for your time. And I'm looking forward to following you guys up on what's going on in the world, in the wild, wild world of spark spaces. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Darren. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks so much. Much. Yeah. Take care.